The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, on the basis of Revelation 21, verses 21 through 27. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Recently, a, a brand new TV show that was just released earlier this year caught my attention. And so I decided to do a little bit of reading up on it to see if it was something that I actually wanted to watch. The show is a science fiction psychological thriller called Severance. Basic premise of the TV show is that employees who work at a certain company have the opportunity to go through this surgical procedure called severance. A surgical procedure that completely and permanently separates all of the memories from their personal life, from all of the memories from their work or professional life. And so once employees have had this operation, the process sort of goes like this, that when they show up at work each day, they go down this elevator. And in the process of going down the elevator, all of their memories, all of their awareness of their personal non-work life disappears. And suddenly all of the memories and awareness of their work life emerges. And then at the end of the day, when it's time to check out, when it's time to go home, they go back up that elevator and the same exact thing happens in reverse. As a result, every person in the show essentially has two characters. There's their work self, which they call their innie, and there's their non-work self, which they cause their Audi. And neither one have any awareness or recognition of the other. Now, whether or not that TV show sounds in any way appealing to you, the reason I mention it this morning is this. It's because I think that very same thing can happen with the specific aspect of our Christian life that we are talking about today, namely when it comes to our joy. You see, when it comes to all of the other blessings that we as Christians find in our Savior Jesus, I think for the most part we understand that we have those blessings right here and right now. For example, we know that we have peace with God because our sins have all been forgiven right now. We know that we have love from God, love demonstrated in our Savior Jesus Christ, love that we can then turn around and show to others right now. We know that no matter what danger we might face, no matter what uncertainty is in front of us, we have security, we have confidence about our eternal future right now. But what about joy? When life is full of grief, when life causes you to be sad, when life even causes you to shed tears, what is the solution to that problem? Well, don't worry. Someday, way off in the future, someday you'll have joy. Someday we'll all be in heaven where it will all be better. Someday all of those tears will be wiped away. Someday we will have joy in full. Joy seems to be that one aspect of the Christian life for which we think we have to wait. And I'm not even saying that any of that is untrue. Certainly it is true that we will not experience full joy as Christians until we get to heaven. Certainly it is a good thing when our hearts are filled with grief here on earth that we picture that heavenly joy that is in front of us. 
And yet today we hear from God's word that Jesus wants to bring us much more than that. You heard Jesus tell his disciples that in a little while, when he died on the cross, they would no longer see him and their hearts would be filled with grief. But then Jesus also said that in another little while, namely when he rose from the dead, they would see him again and their grief would turn to joy. In other words, Jesus was promising his disciples, Jesus is promising us joy right here, right now. And as we look at the verses from Revelation chapter 21 that are in front of us this morning, we are going to see why exactly that is. It is not the case that each one of us has these two separate selves that are almost severed from one another. Our earthly self where our hearts are filled with grief and our future heavenly self where our hearts will be filled with joy. Instead, as we look at these verses this morning, we are going to see that Easter has unsevered earthly grief from heavenly joy. One of the things that I think makes these verses especially valuable is that they allow us to picture a facet of heaven that we often don't focus on. I think when we think about heaven, it's easy to focus on the physical and external circumstances that will make it such a wonderful, such a perfect place. So in heaven, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more bad knees or aching backs, No more floods, no more earthquakes, no more tornadoes, no more forest fires. Certainly all of that is true and all of that will be wonderful. But in these verses, the Apostle John doesn't get a picture of those external, visible, physical circumstances of heaven. Instead, he gets a picture of the people of God who will live in heaven. And especially, their internal, psychological, spiritual traits in heaven that will make it such a wonderful place. So John pictures the people of God and he pictures them almost as if they are this city. And what's important to notice about John's vision is that for every detail that he highlights, he is noticing something that is not there. So first of all, he notices that in heaven there is no temple. A temple is a place on earth where a God, really any God, would dwell among his people. And certainly in history, God has dwelt among his people in very specific places, in very specific locations. In our time today, God tells us that anytime his people gather together around his word, that is where his temple is found. That is where God is among his people. And yet, as much as it is a wonderful thing to know that whenever we might be looking for God, we know exactly where we can find him. We can find him in his temple What that also means is that during the course of much of our lives, it might feel as though God is nowhere to be found. That we are all alone in the world and without God. That God, in fact, is far, far away. Oh, but not in heaven. In heaven, there will be no temple. God will always and forever dwell with his people and they will dwell with him. God will never feel far away again. Next, John notices that in heaven there is no sun and there is no moon. Here on earth in this life, those things, of course, serve as sources of light for us. They help us see. They drive out darkness and confusion. And yet in this life, that light is not perfect. That light is not complete. We live in a world where there still is a great deal of darkness. 
For example, sometimes we might be confused. We might be perplexed and troubled about what God is really up to in our lives, what our future holds. It might be difficult for us to be able to see the difference between the truth of God and the lies of the devil. The light in this world is not complete. There is still all kinds of darkness. Oh, but not not in heaven. There will be no sun. There will be no moon because the glory of God will always be shining. There will be no confusion, no doubt, ever again. We will be able to see and know perfectly. Next, John notices that in heaven, the city gates are never shut. In ancient times, in an earthly city, the city gates were a very important thing. They kept the enemy out. And for the people of God in this life, we need that protection. We have a spiritual enemy who is cunning and who is powerful, and he is constantly trying to attack us, to lead us into sin, to drive us into doubt and despair. He is constantly trying to pick off the people that we love most in the world and rip them away from their Savior. And so we need those gates. We need that protection. Oh, but not in heaven. In heaven, the city gates will never be shut because no spiritual enemy will ever threaten us again. Finally, John notices that in heaven there will be no impure people. No people who do anything that is defiling or false. Well, of course, there will be impure people. There will be people who do those things. But only those, John says, whose names are written in the book of life. In this life, we know what it is to carry around a burden of guilt. We know what it is to walk out into the world and feel as though we are covered in shame. We know what it is that even when God tells us we are forgiven, that we don't always feel that way. Oh, but not in heaven. In heaven, we will be able to see for ourselves, with our own eyes, our own names written in God's book of life, visible, indisputable, irreversible proof of the status that we have before God. Here's the point. It's not just that when we experience sorrow and grief in this life, we can look ahead to this heavenly perfection where everything will be all better. It's that the sorrow and the grief that we experience in this life actually helps us understand what heaven is going to be like. Earthly sorrow is the thing that defines heavenly grief. And so as you head out into a new week, as this life fills you with grief, and I'm guessing there's a good chance it will, if during the course of this week, strife among your family causes you to feel sadness, if during this week the absence of a loved one causes you to feel all alone, if during this week the attacks of your spiritual enemy against you, against your family, cause you to feel afraid. Here's what you can say. Here's what you can think. This very thing, this difficult, awful, painful thing is helping me understand what heaven is going to be like. I see it now better than I did before. I know what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is going to be the place that's not like this. Earthly grief is the very thing that helps us define, helps us picture that perfect heavenly joy. 
And maybe that's the side of the coin that I, I think we're somewhat familiar with and maybe we're used to having as part of our lives. That when we're going through that earthly grief, we look ahead, we picture that heavenly joy. But then maybe the other side of the coin, the rest of that process, maybe in our minds we sort of turn it into that process that happens in that science fiction psychological thriller called Severance. That when our time is up, when the day is over, when it's time to clock out, up the elevator we go, and as we go up the elevator, all memories of everything that happened down below are scrubbed from our memory, from our mind, forever. In fact, maybe we even tell ourselves that if heaven is really going to be heaven, if heaven is really going to be this place where we are happy all the time, where there is no sadness, well, then it has to be that way, right? Anything that would possibly cause us sadness, anything that caused us sadness here on earth certainly has to be wiped away from our memory forever. Without being able to stand in front of you today and tell you exactly what heaven is going to be like, I can say this. The Bible never comes right out and says that when we go to heaven, all of those earthly memories that cause us sadness will be no more. That's something that human beings have sort of logically deduced on their own. I will also say that the Bible gives us plenty of good reasons to believe that the opposite will actually be the case. That when we go to heaven, we will carry with us our memories from earth, even the ones that caused us great sadness. One of the things that makes these verses similar the verses that occur throughout the book of Revelation is that in these verses, Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, is never called Jesus. Instead, over and over and over again, he is called the Lamb. And specifically in the book of Revelation, over and over again, we hear of John picturing Jesus as the Lamb who was slain. In other words, when John pictures this Lamb, yes, he is glorious. Yes, he is now victorious over sin and death and the devil, but he bears in his body the marks, the signs, the scars of his slaughter. And even though we know that this picture of a lamb is that just that, it is a picture, it is a symbol of Jesus, we know also that it is a picture that very much corresponds with reality. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection from the dead, he bore in his body the marks of, of his crucifixion, the place in his hands and in his feet where the nails had been driven, the place in his side where the spear had been plunged in. So will it be the same for us? Again, without being able to tell you exactly what heaven is going to be like and what, if anything, from our earthly experience is going to go with us up into heaven, I can say this, that if we take anything with us, if we in any way have any recollection of what happened during our life on earth, even those things that made us so very sad, it will not in any way detract from the joy of heaven. In fact, it will only enhance it. Picture a basketball team standing up on a podium holding up a championship trophy after a successful season where they just won the title. That experience and the joy that they feel in that experience is not in any way detracted by the fact that they can mentally remember in that moment all of the long hours that they spent in the weight room and all of those agonizing sprints that they ran at the end of practice. In fact, those memories actually enhance the joy of that championship. 
Picture someone walking across a stage getting ready to receive their college diploma. Again, the joy of that moment is not in any way detracted by the fact that they can remember all of the difficult hard work that went into getting there, all of the hours that they spent in the library, all of the times that they decided to stay in and stay up late studying instead of going out with their friends. In fact, those memories only enhance the joy of that moment. Or maybe we could just picture what Jesus in today's gospel asks us to picture. Imagine two parents holding a newborn child, both of them filled with immense joy. One of them has a joy that's at least a little bit more than the other ones. And which one is it? It's the one who still has fresh in her mind the pain and the agony of labor and delivery. That pain enhances the joy of holding that child in her arms. I don't know for sure what heaven is going to be like, but I can almost only hope that in some way, in some form, we carry with us into heavenly joy the marks, the memories, the scars of our earthly grief. Because if we do, it will only enhance that joy. It will only make it even better. And so again, as, as you picture that joy, as you head out into another week where this life is probably going to make you a little bit sad, if during this week, the strife that exists among your family fills you with sadness. The absence of a loved one fills your heart with loneliness. The attacks of your spiritual enemy have you afraid, concerned for yourself or for someone else. It's not just that you can picture heavenly joy and understand, boy, these earthly experiences, this earthly grief is actually helping me understand. It's helping define what that heavenly joy is going to be like. There's even more that you can look at those moments as painful as they are and you can say already now, someday, this is going to enhance the joy that I experience. This is going to make heaven what it is. One day, this pain is going to be a scar that makes heaven all the sweeter. So when you think about it, it's not just in science fiction, psychological thrillers that we have a tendency to sort of separate these two separate versions of ourselves, the one that gets to experience earthly joy, the one that, or earthly sorrow, the one that gets to experience heavenly joy. Maybe even during this life, we do a little bit of that same sort of separation, right? When circumstances are going badly, our grief goes up, our joy goes down. When circumstances are going well, our grief goes down and our joy goes up. Grief and joy are mutually exclusive propositions. You can only have one or the other. Jesus teaches us much differently. He teaches us that earthly grief and heavenly joy have been unsevered the moment he rose from the dead. And so as a result, even here, right here, right now, we can find joy, not just in great circumstances, but even also in the bad ones. Not just a joy that is here one day and gone tomorrow, but a joy that is ours fully and a joy that no one can ever take away. Amen. Amen.